Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Thank you to Escape Space Games for sponsoring this season of Average Folks. Enjoy the show. Eller Lyeth graduates tonight. Ah, the apathetic flurry of emotions that accompany a college graduation. On one hand, you care so much. Four formative years of your life, gone. Your largest cycle of changes yet. Your life path supposedly settling in front of you. A showcase of all your hard life's work thus far. Or, how would you put it, Eller? Making us sit through things that I'm tired of pretending to give a fuck about? Hmm. Eller is on campus now, leaving a debriefing meeting with one of his professors to discuss the logistics of solar panels. Eller is, of course, soft-launching his adult career, and will be working on campus during IMBAR doing engineering research. That's cool. It is cool. It's a distraction from your task. Ah, the green lore is here too. No, I'm still gaining leadership skills and stuff. You don't have much time left. Well, I'm sure I'll have the M-bar. I'm not. I- Eller exits the engineering hub, and he takes his time walking on the grass right next to the sidewalk. He passes the university's circle to Vodale Alehouse. Then he pauses at the Territorial Theology Building. He glances up to the second floor left-hand window, as he always does, and he spots movement. Stay here. Why does she require your attention now? I'm just gonna say hi. Chill out. And he enters the building. The green lore's hovering lower half happens upon a bush. Pain and discoloration shreds through them before they pull away and settle themselves just above the concrete path. And Eller goes up. Come in. Eller Lyeth enters his mother's school office. Boxes everywhere. He finds her hidden behind some of them. Oh, Eller, what are you up to? 
I was cleaning out my workspace in the engineering hub. Thought to uh, check on you. Well, thank you. Doing fine. Your father is stopping by later with the SUV so I can load things up. Oh, cool. Cool. How are you feeling about tonight? Fine. Everyone keeps asking me that. It's a big step. Life changes after this. Does it? Yes. Like... how? Uh, Less homework. You can go to bed on time. You can say no to things. Everyone who says their lives peaked in... Well, mine definitely didn't. You... You met Dad in college, right? Yes, but surprisingly, your father isn't the biggest factor of my happiness. No, yeah, no. Besides, he was dating someone at the time. I didn't end up with him until about three years later. Mikhail was two. Why tell me that? Luciana firmly and nonchalantly presses her lips to her son's forehead. Life sorts itself out. Just let it do that. Okay. What were you wanting to do tonight? We could catch some reservations for that place you really like, or... Uh, I was invited to this party after graduation, actually. Oh! I think... I might just head over there afterwards. Okay. Luciana gets back to boxing. Do you need help packing? Um, no, I think. Oh, okay. Thank you, though. Yeah, uh, yeah. And Eller walks away. Luciana watches him go with a morning gleam in her eye. She puts some more binders in the box on her desk. Then, after a minute or two, her mind falls back on her son. She glances out the window, wondering if she can see him walking. And in the far distance, she does. She sees Lyoth Hall as a tiny speck, and a bright orange lure frolicking on the paved path across the quad. What? Oh, fuck. Luciana frantically runs to the other wall, and it's just an emergency flare kind of day isn't it? Tara and the volunteer have reached Middletown and are looking around corners and peeking into shops. Tara gets stopped time to time to either be greeted or thanked or receive a sassy comment by someone having a bad day and just deciding to take it out on somebody. She lets all of these things glance off of her as her eyes skim the crowd unceasing, knowing that none of these folks are safe. The volunteer, however, is much more honed in on one spot in particular, on the mend. It is now the middle of their shift. Uh, just a sec. Gotta find a restroom. Okay. He runs into an alley. Dune takes three double takes, making certain he's alone before ripping off the caretaker's mask and the overgown, wrapping the mask inside said gown, and stuffing them very carefully behind a bin. Dune realizes he is still barefoot. He has no choice other than to make it a choice. He runs out of the opposite end of the alley, makes a few turns, and bursts into On the Mend. 
Dune, there you are. Ovia, hi. Sorry for being late. That's all right. Everything okay? You look frazzled, out of sorts, and half-dressed. She keeps on the tip of her tongue as she dryly appraises him now out of the corner of her eye. Frantic. Uh, I'm good. I'm good. Went for a run. Haha, <laughs> you lied. Oh? Last week you said exercises for little bitch boys. Uh, well, I gotta get those, uh, gains. Olvia squints her eyes at Dune a little, gaze drifting down his sweatpants to his nervously flexing toes. As priestess, she does see this happen a lot. And, as priestess... She alone knows the identity of every volunteer in Vallis. And did the trail swallow your shoes? <laughs> they were muddy. So muddy. From the trail? So, I left them outside. Thoughtful. And I do wear socks with my shoes. I just also took those off with my shoes. They were also muddy. Okay. Well, just be careful. We work with sharp objects for a living. Yes, Yes. Work. Uh, how How is that going? Mainly graduation cloaks. Easy fixes. Can you hand me that measuring tape? Or would you like to do the measurements? Oh, uh, my bike ride made my oh, uh, tummy, uh, tummy hurt. Didn't you say you went running? Uh, I did. I did do that. Uh, but I tripped and sprained my, my ankle. So I had to take a bike the rest of the way. Oh, no. Uh... I might need to go, actually. Yeah, it's an easy fix day, mindless work that will take a lot of time to teach you for one day a year. Okay. Uh, cool. Bye. Mm-hmm. Feel better. Dune runs back into an alley. He takes three double takes, making certain he is alone before delving behind the garbage bin, unwinding his mask from his robe, shrugging on his robes, and sliding on his mask. In the distance, something happens in the sky. Against the dull gray of it, there is a burst of red. An emergency flare. The folks of Ellis in unison glance up to the sky, some moving on quickly, some visibly tracing the line of the flare, knowing that it has just come from the University of Vallis. Terra, whom Dune finds now, is one of these folks. I bet that's us. Fuck. I mean, fudge. Don't tell Groundskeeper. Fuck if I care. We just need to go. Terra and Dune run towards the University of Vallis. It's a little less than a mile away, but still, quite a ways to run barefoot, Dune thinks now. He senses some dramatic irony here, but cannot quite place why. And he's pondering this still as they approach the University. They've beat the guardianship to the emergency flare's focal point. The grass is berated with poked holes like someone just took a pole driver to it. Terra halts for a breath at the giant donor-funded statue of UV's mascot, the UV Ray, stationed at the mouth of the campus's entrance. Okay. Where are you? Tara's eyes skirt the campus lawn. She sees the figure of a woman across the lawn and doesn't quite have time to place who it is, because that folk has seen Tara and points incredibly largely towards the engineering building. There! And Tara and the volunteer see it. The orange lore, with a pink blanket under its saddle, toddles around the place where walking paths cross. Tara and the volunteer cut across the lawn, a new burst of adrenaline fueling this final stretch as they sprint 
this lore sees them coming from a distance and it scatters away towards the circle at the end of this walkway. Where does that circle go? Fodale Ale. Don't you dare! The orange lore glances at Tara. And very much like how a cat slips your half-full mug off the kitchen table, this lore teethers itself into the circle of stones and disappears. At Fodale Ale House, the back of house is bustling and understaffed. Joan, sister of Obia and best fucking waitress you've ever seen or met, is getting her steps in, zooming from table to table, then kitchen, then back again. Behind the alcove where freshly made food sits, Finn, bartender and now also sous chef of Fodale Ale, is frantically swirling a cooking pan over the oven's flame. Joan approaches the kitchen once again and slumps against the counter. Finn, ETA on that farmer's 4 p.m. breakfast? Uh, depends on how they want their eggs. Uh, sunny side up. Wretched. Five minutes? Fab. Joan speedwalks from the kitchen through the swinging door with a few mugs of ale on top. She drops them off at table 32. The older folks sitting there gives her a smile that she doesn't like. She moves on to table 11, who wants salt, and she slaps it on the table in passing. She sees that needy table 24 has left, and they left a stack of single bills. Ugh, dissatisfied, she files away her serving tray and disappears into the kitchen again. The jarring swing of the door jolts Finn, and they pop the yolk on their sunny side up. No! Finn stares for but a moment, then slides the half-finished egg into the trash. It's fine. We love learning experiences. And they crack another into the pan. Joan moves along, takes a right turn into the single folk restroom, and shuts the door. <sighs> she gazes tiredly into the smudged mirror, her green hair ever so slightly sweat-glued against her forehead, eyes a step above lifeless. She counts the tip. Three, four, seven. Seven. That's not bad. It's just you today. Splitting it with Finn, of course. So, $3.50. Not bad. If it wasn't a ten-folk table that spent $300. Nah. Motherfuckers! Joan, allotting a moment of self-care, drops trowel, sits on the toilet, and begins playing words with folks on her phone. Would the sound off, though, right? Uh, yeah. Then what was that? Uh, uh... Joan looks up. Really? A familiar face, a familiar color. There's a saddle on it, a green blanket underneath, embroidered with- Orville? But Joan doesn't have the bandwidth to process this as its head slopes down towards her. No! No, fuck you! You good in there? Joan jolts to her feet, shrugs up her pants, and bursts out of the bathroom in the midst of buttoning them. The orange lure on the ceiling watches her do this, and, seemingly entertained, follows her out. It crawls upside down over the door frame and enters the kitchen above her. It gatekeeps the entrance to the back door. Shit, 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 shit. Ate something bad, huh? Ugh, I've been there. Yeah, sure. Hey, Finn, I'm taking my 30. Okay, I'll just cook bartend and run food. Joan rushes past, bumping into Finn on her way back into the seating area. Their spatula punctures the yolk on Finn's sunny side up. They sigh and slump it into the trash. They try again. Oh, Gregor, on time? Nice. Could you- Where is it? Finn, startled, turns to see the Prophetess of Valis standing, out of breath, rain cloak askew. Prophetess? Hey, Finn. How are you? How's S it been? S 
so good, actually. I'm finally training into the culinary program. I've Please no, please no. Is that Joan? Yeah, she's having a tough time. I'll bet. Kara moves past Finn, rushing into the main seating area, nudging their arm in the process. Oh, spatula, puncture, failure of a sunny side up. Oh, man. Sorry. No prob. Finn decides to rebel and begins an over-easy instead. Tara runs through the slim afternoon crowd of Fodale Ale House. She follows the gazes of two seated tables, pointed towards the stairs, and she follows this trail. Up she bounds, and we haven't checked in yet, have we? Not with Tara. How are things? They're fine. But how are you? I don't need to talk about me. Things are happening. We have enough plot points going on right now. Enough plot points. Never. I think it's stupid and pointless to chase mindless creatures who have a strong history of violence and destruction. I don't want to be doing this. And that is my fucking plot point. Then why are you doing it? Because... I'm... doing my job, I guess? Tara stops at the top of the stairwell, clutching the banister in one hand and her staff in the other. The party room, where she had spent several nights playing sea and sea, is empty save for some tables and chairs. The chairs are thrown, some on their side. At the end of the small room is a set of double doors, typically open for larger parties to make an even bigger party room, but they are closed now. Joan sits on the ground, back thrust against these doors, holding them shut. Her eyes glazed over and piercing find Tara. Hi. Hi. Are you okay? Yep. It's in there. Yeah. The doors rattle as the lore inside throws themselves against it. Joan startles but digs the heels of her shoes into the wood panel floors. They only do this once, but clicking can be heard in circles in the adjacent room. Did it hurt you? No. No. Was it wearing a fucking saddle? (sighs) Yeah, they're using them as labor and living things. Are you kidding me? What inspired them to pull this shit? Didn't they listen to you? Oh, they did. The parts they liked, at least. Volunteer? What are you doing? Sorry, so sorry. Excuse me. Okay, take four or five? At the mouth of the stairwell appears the volunteer, wheezing for breath under the wooden mask. Are they in there? It is, yeah. Which one? What do you mean, which one? The name on the- Orville? Yeah, what the fuck? Orville! The volunteer joins Tara and Joan at the doors. Can you open it? For a sec. What? No! Look, I have it handled now. I can take care of it. And another form is at the top of the stairs. Halfway on the banister, halfway on the top step, and the orange lure with the pink saddle stands. Patty! Hey! Patty's head jilts to the left, then right. They perceive the clicking on the other end of the door that Joan holds shut, and they perceive these three folks in between the two of them. Let the doors open! They just want to know if Orville is okay. What? Joan, do not. I got this. The lore, Patty, takes one step closer. A warning click. Please, don't hurt her. Her? This lore rears back, afraid, skittish, and Tara rears back her staff in guttural return. Tara? No! Get out of the way! The volunteer catches Tara's staff mid-swing, buckling slightly under the sheer force but holding their ground. They rip the staff out of Tara's shocked and loosened grip and chuck it to the floor. It rattles and rolls to a stop. The binding keeping the two ends together is unfurling just a smidge. Hey! 
And the volunteer charges the doors. Patty in hot pursuit. Move, John, move! Fuck, fuck, fuck! The volunteer has opened the doors and hides behind the left one as Patty charges past the three immediately inside. Tara, thrown to the ground beside Joan, wheezing for breath, waits for a second round of chaos. For a joint force of two to rush them as she is staffless, but they are alone. The volunteer peels out from behind the door and joins Tara and Joan in peering inside the meeting room. The two lores circle each other, booping heads and clicking appendages. Their pace slows as they reacquaint. Yeah, what the fuck? See? They were just stressed. They were confused, and you were not helping. They have attacked me. They felt threatened. Yeah, except for that one time when I was literally just standing there, and it stabbed me. Except for that one time it followed me through a circle and ripped through a car to get to me. Yeah, and that one time when it chased us through an entire fucking restaurant. And broke my staff. I'm not invalidating those experiences. I'm just saying that this hasn't happened to anyone else. What are you saying? I think you, I don't know, make them a little mad. What? No, these just aren't safe to be around. Well, neither are you sometimes. I... Ooh, breathe in through your nose. What? Not like in a bad way. I just mean that everybody has their moments. And what if they are no different? Why is duality only permitted to, like, us? Because we're folks and they're... They're what, Tara? Do you hear yourself? Yes, I... I guess I do. This volunteer, they look at Tara, and Tara swears she can feel a familiar stare through those eye slits. They break this contact and walk plainly towards the two orange lore. Volunteer! Shh, shh, shh. It's okay. Dune approaches this lore of his. Orville. Hey, buddy. Orville. Come here. You're all right. And the volunteer touches his hand to the orange lore's chest. He kindly boops where a nose would typically be. Orville becomes still, and stays that way. Patty and I found you, buddy. You're safe and okay. The volunteer gently tugs Patty's rein as she threatens to wander. Doing so, he looks back to Tara and Joan. Come here. It's okay. You're calmer now. Joan furiously shakes her head, standing in the doorway. Tara, prophetess, begrudgingly reaches up to tug the rein of this first lore. They look at her. And she wonders briefly if she's met this one yet, but as she looks into their hazy white electric gaze, she sees curiosity directed back at her. And she knows in her heart that she hasn't yet. Patty, you said? Yeah. Hey, Patty. Patty clicks their legs twice. Quite tame. It, they are so docile. I I wasn't expecting that. Yeah. This is how they are most of the time. But we house them in a green enclosure. It's literally a torture prison. Of course they'll be upset. Well, what do you suggest? It's the greenery that's the issue. It hurts them. They freak out. We need better coverage for their torsos and head. A makeshift saddle isn't enough. Protection. I know someone I can ask about options. So, you're gonna let us take them back? 
we can find a way, sure. And I dare say they do. Let's take a break. This season of Average Folks is sponsored by Escape Space Games Tualatin. Located just off of Tualatin Sherwood Road, Escape Space Games hosts six different escape rooms, each with their own unique themes and puzzles. Gather your friends and family for exciting adventures like the Toy Museum Heist. Rumors say that the owner of Randy's Toy Museum has acquired some sort of secret artifact not on display to the public, and it's up to you to find it. Or work together to solve the mysteries of castaways, where you must face a series of physical and mental challenges in the style of a certain tropical TV game show in order to keep your spot on the island. Visit the magic garden of the Beanstalk, where the gardener is getting antsy and looking for a successor. Do you have what it takes to discover the secrets of the garden? Explore your senses with the Tualatin Valley Room, where you'll need your sense of touch, smell, sound, and sight in order to escape in time. Stage a prison break in Cell Block, where you and your team must first escape their own cells and then make your joint escape. Or get cozy with Tuta Tango, a two-person room with a mystery to solve about these two particular dancers. Adults play for $30, and kids under 12 play for $25. Escape Space Games is open Friday evenings, all day Saturday, and Sunday afternoon. Weekday plays are available by appointment. Visit escapespacegames.com or call 503-610-2394 to book your room today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, let's get back to it. Luciana is in her office for the final time that this room will be called that. She is dressed now in the University of Alice's master's regalia. Dirty red and dulled silver colors. Horrifically clashing with her skin tone, but she's had many years to make peace with this fact. Huh. She opens the door for Logan Wyeth. Hey. Hey. All, uh, packed up? Yep. Can you take those boxes down to the car? I still need to do some prep for my speech. Yes. Logan picks up one of the boxes. Inside is an old photo of the two of them. Grainy enough to easily be recognized from what Logan would describe as their golden days. Is this from your first day teaching? Yeah. Know how I know that? That G.T. awful shirt you chose to wear to the confirmation. It was the style. And yet an excellent example of why we don't always do what the world tells us to. (laughs) (laughs) You didn't have to do this. Didn't I? You didn't. I'm doing okay. Gwenda says differently. The kids think differently. You look differently. But I didn't want this. I didn't ask for you, you to sacrifice to. your job. You overstepped. I take initiative and you always get upset. Why? What we had going, even this year, it was working. For you? 
I'm so tired, Lo. I feel paper thin. I've been trying so hard to make it different for you. To change so you wouldn't have to do this anymore. Have to feel like this anymore. I never asked you to change, did I? No. And yet, you're asking it of me. I'll take this down. Logan picks up this final box and makes the room empty, save for one folk standing in its center. Luciana Lieth appraises this room that was hers. And it won't be anymore. The second she leaves, no, even now, in this moment, this empty carcass of the past no longer bears her marks. Of course, there's always this childlike, whimsical urge to leave a piece of herself behind. A drawing in the corner of a wall, or a scratch on the grain of the desk, or a note. No. She shall go silently, nimbly, gracefully, and graciously. She shall go now. Soon after, college graduation ensues. Eller Lyeth, in a shitty yellow graduation cloak, sits with his class of engineers, in between classmates John P. and Catherine Q. Several rows behind them sits the Lyeth family. Logan Lyeth dressed to the nines, Ellie and Mikhail dressed to the fives, and Dune is barefoot still. Dylan has tagged along as a show of support. Ugh, he just loves graduations. However, he sits at the end next to Ellie. The large crowd unanimously looks towards the stage, where Luciana Lyeth has taken to the podium. And she begins to speak. My name is Luciana Lyeth. I have served on staff at the University of Vallis for 25 years, and in that time, I've learned a lot of things, as I'm sure, or at least hopeful, that you have as well. I've learned things that matter, things that don't, and for the most part, I've learned how to differentiate between the two. Your resume and your marker at the Sanctuary of Disburden are both things that describe you, one propels you into a career, into a meaning for life, the other immortalizes you. Represents who you were long after you are gone, and you get to decide what matters to you based on which descriptor is more important. Would you rather be easily promoted, competitive and crafty, or kind and generous? And how can we find a balance between these two ideals? I don't have that answer. I've spent much of my life furthering my career, and it is now, in the twilight moments of it, where I find myself wondering what comes next. My resume is filed away, and my marker at Disburden lies ahead of me, of all of us. What will go there? Luciana Lyeth, boss-ass bitch? Or Luciana, beloved and fearless? That has a nice ring to it. 
allow me to tell you an anecdote. Eller graduated, yay! And was handed a diploma envelope, which upon opening did not have a diploma, rather a piece of paper that said he would get it sometime. Awesome. He stands in the quad with his family now. Why was the dean wearing sunglasses to graduation? I don't know, man, but I didn't want to look that fucker in the eye anyways. Oh, shit. <laughs> what did they do? They're so corrupt. Basically, any department head is. <clears throat> hmm? I mean, they're misguided, mainly. Fucked up is right. They teach students for a living, so you'd think they'd learn to listen to them. Right? Want to know some skeletons in Dean Dean's closet? Dean Dean? Are we allowed to talk about this? I don't work here anymore. We'll talk later. Nice. And Dylan and Dune have found themselves near one another. They trail behind the family and look adjacent to one another. Hey, uh, it was nice of you to come. Uh, for Eller. Oh, totally. No, yeah, I want to support Eller. Nice, nice. Uh, how are you? Oh, uh, I'm all right. Busy bee. I am. <laughs> and you? Besides, you know, shoeless. Oh, <laughs> fuck. Uh, yeah, I'm okay. Just okay? Yeah, it's been hard. Yeah. Do you want to talk about it? We could, um, hang out? You want to hang out? I always want to. What, like, time or day works best for you? And Dune thinks hard now. He works five days, eight to ten hours, and volunteers three days out of the week, including taking care of his dad and personal projects. Oh, Dune's mind begins to numb again. He looks so longingly towards Dylan, so passionately with such yearning, and he says nothing. He just stares in the brightness. The light in Dylan's eyes begins to wane. Never mind, it's not. No, no, it's, I want to, it's just... Just what, Dune? It's been a year. What happened? What's going on? They have caught up to the rest, and Dune snaps his eyes out of Dylan's. Flustered, suddenly angry, upset. He breathes deeply and regroups and frolics right up to Eller. Ellar? Do you feel any different? Hungry. <laughs> oh, death. Sustenance. Food. Food. You have that party to get to. Oh, does he? I'll just be late. Fashionably? No, just late. Well, where are we going to eat? Do you want to order in, Lo? Meet us at home? No, I would like to go out with you and eat as a family. What will you... It's okay. Fodale Ale? Actually, yeah. What about Ellie? They allow minors until 11 p.m. Yay! Yeah, then we can just, like, sneak you a drink or something. Now, Dune... I don't like the taste, remember? Oh, oh, yes, 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 yes. The family moves forward. Dune and Mikhail hang behind. Lean closely to Ellie. So, like, what's your order? The graveyard. Oh, shit! Roger Your that. wish is our command. The family heads through the circle to Fodale Ale House, each with their own opinions about how much they liked or disliked circle travel and find themselves directly outside. 
caution tape is up and around, a couple guardians roaming. What happened? Is it still open? They appraise another folk, seeming just as confused, wandering inside. Yes? The family follows suit and enters the doors to Fodale Ale. It is crowded inside, filled with postgraduates and a very odd assortment of all ages. The lithe children peel off towards the bar. Luciana and Logan acknowledge the heavily barred off stairs to the upper floor, with a guardian keeping watch. They exchange a specific kind of look and split up, Luciana towards the bar and Logan towards the caution tape. The guard hardly thinks twice about letting their chieftain come through, and allows Logan to wander up the stairs. Dylan, help him. On it. Hey, Logan, let me give you a hand. Logan pauses, impatient and compliant. Together, up the stairs, eventually they find an incredibly torn-up atmosphere. Inside of this disarray stands Guardian Friedman of the Guardians, Tara, a vague friend of Dune's, and a folk in an apron. What happened? Logan, Dylan, you're gonna want to hear this. So, I think I'm a little lost. Joan, you saw a what? It was, uh... She feverishly glances at Finn. Dylan interjects. Mountain lion? Yeah, mountain lion. So, you came into work, saw the mountain lion? Yes, the mountain lion crawled on the fucking wall, and I contained it in the upper meeting room. Can those do that? Uh, well... If they're speedy enough. You contained it? By yourself? Yeah, I shut the doors, that's all. That's all? No, that's brave. I... Yeah, I guess. And and then what happened? Uh, Well, Well, I came in and found Joan against the door. And it did all this damage? Yes. How big are mountain lions? Fucking big. Look, I'm going to take another patrol around, take some damage reports. The hall is going to help you get this floor back up and running however we can. You've got me, too. Some paid leave would be nice. Finn shrugs. Wouldn't it? Our manager hasn't even texted back. Salaried my ass. After this, Tara and Logan go downstairs to find the rest of the Lyoths already supplied with their fair share of beer and stuff. Hey! What? oh look what the lore dragged in. <laughs> Do not get me started. Uh, happy graduation day, Eller. I'm so sorry I missed it. It's chill, Tonsil. No, but... No, really, it was really, really boring. Ahem. Oh, except mom's speech. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Uh, how was your day, Tara? It was fine. Uh, Logan, we should talk. Yes. Uh, later? Sure. Uh, do you want to party now, though? Uh, yeah, I do. And what do you know? Eller did have a party to get to. JP and Catherine Q currently wait on the first floor dormitory with a slew of engineering graduates, who ball pretty hard for, you know, engineers. Eller, instead, currently quite enjoys the atmosphere of awkward college students and families who don't blend in Fodale Ale House. There's a hecticness to it, a potential for chaos, yet his family still binds tightly together around a larger party table now. The Lyoths, Tara, and Dylan slam the bottoms of their newly emptied glasses grittily on the wooden tabletops. Dare or else! Dare or else! Dare or else! Uh, dare! Okay, Mikey, you have to... 
coming on to you. <laughs> Fabulous. I will do this, but not alone. <laughs> Mikhail walks around the table akin to a game of duck, duck, goose. From across, he makes eye contact with Tara. Dune. <laughs> yes, Mikey. Will you dune me the honor? Yes, Mikey. Of singing this dunette with me. Yes, yes, yes! <laughs> These two brothers link arms and skip to the stage raised three inches off the ground. Joan, who has seen this endeavor, approaches them with a song list. How much is it? A CNC game. <laughs> Done. What does that mean? What? What? I don't know what that is. Oh. Kyle? being toxic. Oh no. Don't beat yourself up about it. What song were we doing? Tara, Dylan, and Ellie sit against the table and watch this, enthralled, while Eller peels off. His gait is a little wonky, but he still finds his parents seated nearby with ease. Obviously not you, Dad, but would you like a shot, Mom? I... Incredulous, Luciana looks to her partner, and Logan sees something in her eyes that he it admittedly hasn't seen in a long time. Does he get a little bitter? Oh yeah, but does he show it? Of course not. He's avoidant, we have established this. I'm DD. Have fun, love. I most definitely would. (laughs) 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 So what? Do I get a dare or else? (laughs) (laughs) And Logan watches. He watches his partner stand proudly, loudly, and join the circle of younger folks. She fits right in. And in the mind's eye, they are young again. Lucy's hair is shorter and dyed pale pink. She looks back at Logan, smaller now and less hairy, and she winks. His body didn't used to hurt like this. And if he closes his eyes now and gives in to the dull, constant drone of pain, Letting it wash over him and consume his mind, he can almost picture what life had been without it. Oh, if life had been. He would wink back. He would stand, now, throw two shots back and join her. He would jump up on the table and sing horribly to that song playing now because he's so, so proud of his kids. Yes. But this is not reality. Reality now makes him sit in his chair still and watch this from afar. He cannot stand on the table, but he against all odds can still feel this pride in his soul and- Oh, and Eller. Eller is across the room and sees this, and he sees something else glowing to his left. He sees his brother making fools of themselves on stage and his mother having left his father's side while he sits Just stop. I'm gonna go. I've got to. But who is going to drive you home? I'm not going home. I'm... I'm... uh, I'm gonna work on something. Does it have to be now? What do you mean, now? Eller rips through the crowd of Fodale Ale House, and Luciana, feverish, follows with fierceness. Please, just let us have one nice evening together as a family. What kind of... Family is this? Dad's dying, and we're all just 
not addressing the fucking responsibility we have. I'm sorry about giving more of a fuck about my community. Uh, your community? When I'm chief, I'm... When? What? Are you waiting it out? Until you get your reward? I do a good job. I do the best. Look at them. Ellard jabs his pointer finger to the stage. Dune and Mikhail have set down the microphones, opting to use their projecting voices and freeing up their hands for some duo dance moves. Right now it's the wheelbarrow. This is stupid. We're stupid. We're gonna be better. Good luck with that. Yeah, fuck you. Eller throws open the doors to Fodale Ale and does not hesitate to walk through the circle back to UV. Luciana watches him helplessly from the doorway, and Logan has seen this too. Agnes did not go to graduation. Well, as attendant, she had to look after Lyoth Hall and the Lyoth family's absence, of course. Or she had elected to, no matter the case. She wanders alone this evening, double-checking most of the locks, save for the front door. It would typically be too late in the day to worry about visitors, and the Lyoths are horrible at remembering their keys. She figures this is a fine choice. Her chagrin gets the better of her now, for as Agnes re-enters the main hall, she finds a folk standing by the information desk. They turn, clad in bright colors and cascading shiny things, and oh, they smile. Hello? Oh, um, hi! Public library is those big doors over there. Oh, yes, I've heard all about this place. Just wanted to see it for myself. Agnes pauses, off guard. Okay! She wonders why she is continuing this conversation. Well, have a nice and day. And I would love to speak to your wise woman. The Oh, Tara. Yes, she's our prophetess now, and she doesn't operate out of Lyoth Hall anymore. She's an independent line. Interesting. Yep. There was this whole thing between the triad where the priestess felt that with the prophet operating out of the chief's hall, that would assert some biases, and Tara agreed, and Logan agreed, so... Interesting. Could I have her office address? Sure. Uh... Agnes yanks an info card from the info desk and hands it to the visitor. Here, Open Market District, Street C. Wonderful. And I'm so sorry, I forgot to ask your name. That's fine. (laughs) It's not. Why? You always deserve for someone else to know your name. I'm Agnes. Agnes. How are you? Uh... I'm fine? Lonely. Agnes would have liked to say. Pained and burdened and small. Somehow Agnes wonders if Sage can see this. You're doing the right thing now. That is enough. Uh, thank thank you? Open Market District, Street C. Okay, thanks. It'll take a day or two for me to get settled, but I'll check in with her when I'm able. Well, who are you? Sage. Traveling Prophet. I'm here to help. Hello, Coasters. Thank you for listening to this episode. Sound design by Elise Bradford. Mixing by Hope Ellinger. Original music by Liam Greenlee. New actors in order of appearance. Finn Burris as Finn. Ali Schluchter as Joan. 
To learn more about Average Folks, follow us on Instagram at Average Folks Official or visit us at our website, average-folks.com.